0: Okay, we have a really full house for this talk, yeah, so do. everybody must be really into meditation. Um, for those of you who are not users, Headspace is a meditation app which was started by a Buddhist monk and a burnt-out ad man,
1: Correct.
0: and it now has 30 million users in 195 countries. So my guest today is Rich Pearson, who is the was the aforementioned burnt-out ad man, and now he is the CEO of Headspace. So Rich, tell us what are the skills that Headspace actually teaches its users?
1: Well, the the service teaches you how to meditate on a kind of daily basis, but I like to think of it as a way to give you all the skills that you need to have a healthy and happy mind. So we think about it... That's
0: a fairly wide scope.
1: It is a pretty wide scope, but I think the mind is the thing that most of us struggle with. It's the thing that we experience every single thing in life, and very few of us ever take the time to look after it.
0: Very true, or even analyse what's going on in there. Exactly. So there, is, there seems to be this confusion between meditation and mindfulness. So can you explain the difference and how yeah. they're related?
1: I'm not a meditation teacher, just to be absolutely clear. But meditation is the, the practice, the actual the skill that you learn in order to be mindful, to be more present in the moment. You can be mindful doing anything. If I'm not nervous about sitting here talking to you, I can be present, listening. Talking, that's, exactly,
0: if we can pretend these people aren't if here. If
1: I pretend these people aren't here, that. Yeah. Or I can be mindful when I'm running or when I'm skiing. Anything that has physical activity, if I'm there in that moment with that physical activity, then I'm kind of being mindful, which is why a lot of people actually say when I do my running, that's my meditation. It's because they're completely present doing that thing.
0: So it's the idea really that you train people in this skill of meditation so that they can apply it when they're not in the app.
1: Yeah, that that is exactly. The, we want to try and teach people the skills that they can take it into their life and apply it to their relationships, um, in their work situations, uh, to help them get to sleep at night. We want to give them all the skills that they need so that they can kind of move life, move through life in a kind of more healthy and productive way.
0: Because this is a very different type of app. I mean, how do you measure engagement in an app like Headspace? And also, how do you measure people's progress? Right. So if you're teaching a skill you want to be able to track how people are progressing or taking them to the next step constantly.
1: Yeah, I, we kind of really talk about this a lot internally around what does healthy engagement look like, and you know we're big believers that a lot of the services and products that have been created have actually been created to kind of suck us in and just continuously kind of gets to use things more and more and more. We're actually trying to kind of create a more safe and welcoming space for people to come come into. So we don't actually want people using it all the time. We want them to use it in a kind of healthy and responsible way. And I genuinely believe that technology, especially mobile devices, can be used in that way if you can direct people and teach them the skills that they need to use it in that particular way.
0: Because basically you are trying to sell ideas like, expect nothing, get comfortable with being uncomfortable to a society that's obsessed with being distracted all the time and entertained all the time. So how do you bring people into concepts like that through a mobile app?
1: Yeah, (laughs) it's really difficult. It's our biggest challenge is that we're trying to get people to say, don't, it's weird. Like you sit down, you do this thing called meditation, and people think that just by doing that they're going to be automatically relaxed. If we could have stopped our thought, if I said stop your thoughts, Kira, you'd have done it years ago.
0: I'm I'm really stressed now with the whole idea. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's impossible, right? We've, we, we if we could do that, we'd do it ourselves. And so just because we're doing sitting down to do this thing that we've called meditation doesn't mean that we're going to learn it immediately. And actually the benefits I think are very subtle and they kind of build over time. And most people are using it as a, um, I would say as an aspirin approach. There's a lot of people that just want a bit of relaxation Mm -hmm. to feel a little bit less stressed. Our hope is that you can actually use Headspace as a bit more of a vitamin and it becomes a, a preventative action, that you do it every day so that when that difficult moment in life comes up, because it's definitely going to come up... You
0: can deal with this. Yeah,
1: because it's really easy to sit through all the good stuff in life. We all know how to do that, it's really easy. But it's actually when the, we were talking about this off stage, like when yep. the difficult things come up in life, how are we going to handle ourselves and how are we going to have the skills in order to be able to deal with it in a, in a thoughtful way.
0: Actually, when I told people that I was doing this interview, the first thing they always ask me is, is it the guy who does the meditations? (laughs) So just to clarify, Rich is not the guy who does the meditations. no. But the next thing I wanted to ask you about is your own meditation practice and how it started and what it looks like.
1: It started um, in 2008 when I met Andy, and as you um, politely said, I was a burnt-out ad exec. And um, to put that into context, like my anxiety was so bad at that point that I was struggling to go on public transport, I couldn't... get And I'd given presentations in front of hundreds of people in my last job, but it got progressively worse. And so when I met Andy, I was in a... I think I had the gift of desperation, and I would have kind of done anything actually to not feel like that. And as I've spoken to other folks, I know that that is a feeling that a lot of people have, and they don't necessarily talk about it, especially yeah. men. Um, and so for, since that very first day, I've never missed a, a day of meditation. Um, and I couldn't sit still for like longer than two minutes when I first did it. I found it incredibly difficult. I'm like a creative person and my mind has always been a million miles an hour. And it was very, very uncomfortable to sit with myself and my thoughts and my feelings. Um, And I built it up and now I do an hour every single morning and then I do 20 to 30 minutes in the afternoon or evening, depending on how much time I've got. Um, and how much, I've, how much time I spent with my wife, um, that kind of determines that, that second session.
0: That's a serious amount of meditation.
1: Yeah, well, Andy sat for 18 hours a day every single day for like 10 years, so okay. when I think of that, it's like actually <laughs> nothing. Fair enough. Yeah.
0: Um, let's talk about, actually, men and meditation, because yeah. 50% of your users are men, Yes. and it started by two men. You got into this because you felt you were in this like desperate situation. Yes. So why do you think it is an attractive route into meditation for men in particular?
1: I think it's because they don't have to tell anyone about it. <laughs> I think it's because they've got, you know, it's on, a, it's on a device, and if you're struggling with anxiety or depression or any of these things, I think not everyone feels comfortable enough to, one, tell other people about it, or two, go and see a psychiatrist or a doctor and get that information, the things that, they can, that can help them. And so I think to have a device that you can pull out and use on your own... You know, I was at a dinner party the other night, and uh, someone was asking me what I, what I did, and I was talking to him about it, and this guy from over the other side said, I've been, I've been using your app for a year." And his wife that was sitting next to him said, you didn't tell me you were using the Headspace app. Yes. And I thought that was just a perfect encapsulation that this person had been using it for a year and hadn't told their wife, mm. but was compelled to say how much it had helped them. And I do think there's a lot of people in the kind of meditation closet, you know?
0: I actually heard a very similar story yesterday when I was telling people about this. And uh, she said, yeah, I heard about it from this guy who was the husband of a friend of mine, and he's a soldier. Yeah. like, And he was the guy who was, told us about Headspace, you know? Yeah. Um, did you do any of the, like, so when you were feeling desperate, did you do any of those things? Did you talk to people about it? Did you go and see someone? Or, like, how did you end up saying, okay, I'm going to try meditation, that's the thing?
1: I kind of tried everything. I tried um, I tried substances. They didn't really work. <laughs> um, I tried a lot substances. Or not of substances. for long, anyway. Yeah, not for long. not for long. But advertising will do that. So I started there, and then I kind of went to... I tried acupuncture. I tried. I went and spoke to people. Um, I tried exercise. I became, a, you know, just obsessive runner. Um, I tried everything, actually. I, I would say, not to feel like that, and none of it worked, which made me feel even more desperate, to mm. be honest. Because you thought there was no cure. Yeah. I just didn't. I, and I think I thought there was a cure. This is the interesting thing. And Andy then said to me, I said, he said, what well, do you want to get out of this? I said, well, I want to, I want to get rid of my anxiety. He said, there's your first problem. You're not gonna get rid of it, you're always gonna have it, but you just have to have a different relationship with it. Yeah. And I was always trying to, I think we're always trying to do that, right? We're trying to get rid of the things that Push we don't like. Push things
0: way that we yeah. don't
1: like. but we have to, we actually have to move closer to them and get a different relationship to them. And I think that's the real power of meditation is that it can teach you that skill to, to look at these things in a different way and hopefully get a different relationship to it. Um, so I think that's the, that's the real benefit.
0: And you have all of these different packs Within the app for different situations, yep. stages of life, and so on. I mean, what are the most popular ones?
1: Well, the most popular ones are like stress and anxiety. I think stress, because it's just a catch all for lots of stuff, I think a lot of people that are actually angry. They don't know they're angry, but they would, they would couple that as stress. But I think they start there, and then they find out that these other things. Or they think, oh, I've got Sleep also another big one. But the one that surprised me the most, and the thing that Andy and I are like really proud of, is that actually the grief pack is the, is the second most popular pack in our, in our content now. And I think that's a really... It's a very difficult subject and in the West we have no way of talking about it. Death is behind the curtain over there, but it's the only thing that all of us are going to have some kind of experience with. So
0: is it partly down to pe- in our society, you know, once the funeral is over, it's kind of people don't want to talk about it anymore? Or...
1: I think it's actually in the run-up, I just don't think we talk about it. I think it's so scary for us to even think about uh, and to even acknowledge our own immortality. Like, it's such a difficult thing. And I think there's actually something really beautiful if you can move towards it in a kind of healthy way. And that's, look, it's only a 30-day pack, and it's not going to be getting people, but I think when people feel so desperate they don't know where to go, just to have something that they can listen to, to to bring them to that. Because it's it's that thing that within us we have that space, we've just got to kind of tap into it, and I, I hope that whatever the reason that people come into it, that Headspace can provide that space for them to be able to deal with it in a in a more helpful way.
0: And there's also one for coping with cancer, right? So there that's is. people who could be potentially going to die themselves.
1: Yeah. I, so Andy got, you know, we, when we moved from London, when we moved the company to America, within six weeks of us being there, Andy got diagnosed with, you know, stage four really? cancer. Yeah, stage four cancer. I didn't know that. Yeah, and um, which was obviously incredibly difficult for everyone. Um, and we didn't. We di- They actually didn't think he was gonna kind of. He was gonna kind of make it. Oh so, and he's obviously very, very passionate about that. It was one of the reasons why that that pack got made. And I think, you know, I, I won't. I won't tell his story. But it taught him a lot, even kind of going through that. And so all of that experience kind of went into that that kind of pack. Um, and we get incredible feedback from people that um, that are using it and have recommended to people that are suffering with that that terrible disease.
0: Because th- there has been some criticism of Headspace in terms of like, yeah. you know, packs aimed at things like depression yeah. and so on, that like, this is a vulnerable population yes. that maybe should be dealing with this in a different way. I mean, yes. how, how do you, do, obviously the cancer one, it was very personal, because Andy had gone through it himself. Yeah. But like, how do you respond to those kind, that kind of criticism?
1: I think it's a really, I genuinely think it's a really good point, And that's why we're incredibly careful to say, Make sure you go and get your doctor's advice. This isn't a clinical intervention. We say all that stuff. It's really just supposed to be an aid in conjunction with those other services and tools that are really important. So that's a very important thing to say. I think on the other side of it, we are also proving out Headspace in a bunch of different clinical kind of places. So we have a chief science officer, seven full-time science um, team members as well, and we're proving out the efficacy of Headspace against a whole bunch of different diseases. We've got three of the largest workplace study trials ever with 3,000 police officers in the UK, um, 4,000 NHS staff um, across 10 different sites in the UK as well, um, as well as a mass kind of brain imaging um, uh, partnership with Monash to see when you use Headspace, actually how does it affect the shape of your brain, has it actually changed the shape of your brain over time. Actually seeing it on those visuals is, is really, really powerful. And then on the other side, we're working with... Um, uh, University of California with all of their staff and students, um, and they're the li- like most meditation studies are actually kind of in the one to two hundred, per- and that's a large scale study. These are in the thousands.
0: So these so, are some of the largest studies ever conducted on the effect of meditation.
1: They are some of the largest studies ever conducted.
0: But you've also had some small ones, that, smaller ones, where Headspace is yeah. used, which have had some very interesting results, like the compassion yeah. study and the aggression study. Yes. Can you tell us a bit about those?
1: Yeah. So we didn't make up these the, the study criteria. These are well defined study kind of um, pathways. So one's around um, compassion, and it's set up that you do it. Um, they put a waiting room at a doctor's surgery and they basically have all of the chairs full and then someone comes in on crutches. And the test is to see how quickly people give up their seat for the person coming on crutches.
0: Or if they give it up at all. Or if they
1: give it up at all, that's exactly right. the control group is the people that didn't do Headspace, and the, obviously the, the other group is the, the group that did do Headspace. They do it for about 30 days of content. Um, and they were 38% more likely um, to give up their seat if they'd use Headspace. That's
0: quite amazing. Not, yeah. If we don't know exactly why that happens.
1: Yeah. I, I think that, and the aggression one's the other one. You know, if, like, if we can increase compassion and reju- reduce aggression in the world that we live, with the, 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 the influx of kind of social media that we have around us and the news cycle that's just constantly around. If we could just be a little bit more compassionate and a little bit less angry, I do think that they are, I, I think they massively ladder up to our, you know, our vision.
0: Tell us about the aggression one, right? That was the hot sauce one.
1: Yes, yeah, it's the hot sauce yeah. one, which, again, we didn't make this up because it sounds a really cruel test. So they, they basically get someone to write down their, their life story, their dreams, what do they want to achieve with their life, and then they get them to present it to a bunch of, I think it's three people in in lab coats across the table, and they present their life story. And then the people in the lab coats basically just destroy their life life dreams. They say, that's a terrible (coughs) idea, why would you want to do that? And the test is, they then have i think it 's um, chocolate sauce, uh, lemon, and hot sauce, and they have to make a, a meal for those pers- for that person the people on the panel to say how much they kind of uh, hate them and The more hot sauce that you put on they 've proven that that 's a, a, a way to test aggression um, and yeah, we had over forty percent less aggression in the in the control group for for people that were using headspace
0: again it 's quite amazing, but I suppose we 're going to see. Um, you know, more significant results in these large studies. Like when, when are those studies going to be yielding results? When will be, there be some data yeah. available? Well, we
1: have like 68 studies in process at the moment, mm-hmm. 11 are published already, the rest will continually publish. We've been working on these for like seven years. Uh, The large-scale workplace studies will be in the next kind of 12, 24 months. And I hope with that is that we're actually proved that by using Headspace, you can reduce healthcare outcomes. We're based in America, so to to reduce healthcare costs for employers and for healthcare systems, obviously a massive a massive kind of area of focus for us.
0: Because these large studies involve people like NHS workers and police officers exactly. who have like difficult jobs.
1: Yeah, and we're speaking. To, we're also doing a study as well with, you know, uh, people on the front line in, uh, in factories that are just doing repetitive work. And obviously injury can actually lead to death on those in, the, in those situations. Wow. So to kind of create, that's a real problem to try and solve. So we're working on some of those as well.
0: One thing that can happen during meditation is that strong emotions come off that maybe were buried before. You talk about that yeah. like when people realise that they're actually really angry and didn't realise it before. So like how do you help people to de- warn people that might happen and like help them to deal with it over the course of, you know, going through your courses and packs?
1: Yeah, so we have we have a pretty big um, customer service team that deal with all inbound inquiries from free members as well as paid members. and. Our advice is, and it's all over our website and our product, if those things come up to send in an email and then we can direct you to people outside of Headspace okay. that can help you with that. I, right. think it's, I think it's important that, um, that we direct people to the right, the right sources for that kind of information.
0: You also have this feature called the SOS button, yes, which is when people are really feeling overwhelmed or stressed, like yes. it's an emergency call. So. When have you seen the biggest spikes in those SOSs and why? <laughs> When
1: President Trump got elected, um, we saw, we saw a, a, like a 50% spike in people like mainlining on SOSs. Um, <laughs> just doing one after another. Just, <laughs> just like one after another, like, this can't be happening, this can't be happening, um, but it is. Um, so, yeah, I, that's, that's been the biggest spike that we've seen. All right.
0: What's next for Headspace? What are your biggest ambitions for the company? I mean, you're, you have a very broad mission, which yes. is to increase the health and happiness of the world. So like, what are your short-term goals, say, yeah. in that one?
1: Yeah, so yeah, like you said, it's to improve the health and happiness of the world. The way that we think we can get there is, okay, how do we create the most comprehensive guide to health and happiness from when you're born to when you die and everything in between? So how can we create content, services, and tools that can support you throughout your life no matter what's going on, happy, happy sad, or indifferent? So we really want to kind of start with the mind, and then we're going to go with the the body. And we do see that as kind of beyond guided meditation. So you're going to see a bunch of tools and services and content coming out over the next kind of six to 12 months, which is really exciting. Um, We're going to be translating into a bunch of different um, languages. Uh, Our B2B, we work with kind of 200 um, business clients, enterprise clients, Google, Um, Wells Fargo, Unilever.
0: You said actually that part of the reason you wanted to get into workplaces was because a lot of the stress that people have in their lives is to do with work, or is related (laughs) to work.
1: Yeah, I I think there's this interesting thing, right? I always think about this, so it's it's like, it's not work life and home life, it's just life. (laughs) It's like, oh, work stresses me out, like home stresses me out, well, life just stresses you out, actually, Mm -hmm. so it's like, how do we provide services and tools when people are living their life? and most people spend most of their time at work. So yeah. we kind of need to be available where they are. And so I think that's a really, that's a really important part of our kind of B2B kind of strategy because it l- ladders up to how do we improve the health and happiness of the world.
0: If you weren't the CEO of Headspace, what would you be doing?
1: Hopefully I'd be a professional surfer <laughs> if I could surf. <laughs> Um, you just
0: have to get started.
1: Well, I can No, I, I surf a lot, but okay. I'm, I'm, I'm way more passionate than I am skillful. But that's what I would. That's what I would love to.
0: All right, do. that's interesting. I actually asked the same question to the CEO of Pernod Ricard yesterday, and he said I'd run a distillery. So. Wow. <laughs> so you would do something completely different, Richard. I would. I do.
1: would. I would. Yeah, I'd live on a beach. That'd be great.
0: All right. Well, thank you very much, Rich. Thanks, very, very interesting right. conversation, and I hope you all enjoyed it. And you have a. Calm and lovely rest of the next web.
1: Thanks. Thank
0: you. Wow. I haven't heard that thank before. Thank you,
1: Kira. Thank you, Rich.